Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Talking Games with Kelly and Andrew. I'm Andrew. I'm Kelly. That sounds disingenuous, Kelly. Say it. Say it better. <laughs> I'm Kelly. Say it better. I'm Kelly. One more try. And I'm Kelly. That was great. I'll cut out all the rest. <laughs> <laughs> Kelly, it's been a week, um, which means uh, not a lot happened because uh, our last episode, we had like a month of backlogged news. And this week we have a week of news and it was a pretty slow week. Um, but a uh, big release happened. So there's still lots to talk about. Uh-huh. Yep. Uh, Kelly has transformed herself into uh, the cat that we discussed last week. We talked for like 20 minutes before we started recording, just casual conversation, catching up and stuff uh, with her face. And then she decided since we're recording that um, I didn't need to see her face anymore. I am in my wild shape right now, um, which will be relevant in our discussion later about what games we played this week. Okay. Kelly, I don't like... You're a cat. Anyway, uh, Star Wars Jedi Survivor, which came out in April on PlayStation 5 and Series X and PC. Um, news for that game, it's apparently getting a PlayStation 4 and Xbox One version. Currently, uh, Respawn, the studio behind that, is putting resources into trying to port that game down to last generation consoles. I think this is quite bad news because I think our the current generation we're in is not getting enough technical attention. And Jedi Survivor was one of the very few games that kind of got that. Uh, and now it's coming to last gen, which means they're spending probably a lot of money to put it on last gen because it like... It relied on PlayStation 5 and Series X, technically, and it's also been months. I just don't like this news. Do you have an opinion that's different than mine? No, it's very odd. It's like, I don't know. I guess they just want to make more money, but it doesn't, I don't know. It just reads to me like maybe they didn't make the money back because people didn't play, didn't buy it. For next gen, so maybe they think that since more people have PlayStation 4s and Xbox Ones, that they'll make more money and maybe recoup. But I, you're right, it would be very expensive to sort of reverse engineer this game. I would imagine. It's also weird. It's like, like you're gonna, like you're gonna remove the graphical integrity of your game just to reach a wider audience after it's already been out. Like, it's just very they, odd. I don't know how they would accomplish it either. I I would assume they would just maybe some, like, resolution stuff and, like, some texture stuff. But that game, like, quite notoriously struggled on current gen. Like, there were a lot of technical problems on the current generation. And that's a huge step backwards, you know? Yeah, I don't know. It's very weird. I'm not happy. I just am not happy by the amount of resources it's probably going to take to do this. And I'm like, just put that into building a new game or building DLC or anything new and not downgrading a game to gosh knows how low a standard, you know? Right. Yeah. Speaking of low standards, just kidding. No, no I'm not. <laughs> You're allowed to be serious. So there were all sorts of like 
rumors and 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 gossip about Red Dead, the first one, a um, uh, uh, a port or a remake or a remaster. Um, well, here's something funny that's happening. They're porting it for the Nintendo Switch, okay, and the PlayStation Four, uh, and those are going to be out August seventeenth, digitally, and then a physical edition of the game is coming in October. But uh, so so this will have like all the original like the um, oh, what's Undead Nightmare, which is like people love Undead Nightmare. Um, uh, it's fifty dollars. Uh, and, uh, uh, yeah, so that's what's happening. Um, (sighs) if you want to play a game, uh, that is not gonna, that, uh, is not the most optimized version of the game, then you can for $50 digitally on the Nintendo Switch, by the way, or the PlayStation 4, but not the PlayStation 5, but you could do it on PlayStation 5. But it would be the PlayStation 4 version for $50 if you're interested. I don't. This news was weird. We've been waiting for so long to find out about like what this rumor was going to entail. And the fact that this is what it's just. Are you kidding me? It's really dumb. It's really stupid and dumb. Are you gosh darn gosh darn kidding me? I, I think the thing is, is that Red Dead Redemption is a very good game. Um, and I think that because it came out on PlayStation 3, it's just hard to, it's not very accessible for people. I think So I think it's fine that they're porting it to the Switch and to the PS4. I think it's, in, it's absurd that they would have a $50 price tag on it because it's a port. It's not even a remake. It's not a remaster. It's a port. So it's not even like. It's not even going to be like a higher quality. It, it's just not. It, it's going to be higher resolution and that's about it. And probably like a more stable frame rate. But yeah, here's what I just I just Googled it um, because you might be like, why is it not coming to Xbox? That's weird. It's because you can you can still play this game on Xbox Series X. You just put your 360 copy in and it does all of the up res higher uh, frame rate stuff that we're talking about. Um, just looked it up. Uh, do you want to know how much a copy of Red Dead is on Xbox 360? Like 12 bucks? Yeah, close. Eight. Eight dollars. <laughs> uh, or you could pay 50. Granted, uh, the version that comes with Undead Nightmare is 14 dollars. Oh, that's too steep. I um, think I need to pay 50 for it. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, 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 yeah. That makes sense. Right? Yeah. That's how math works. Uh-huh. Yes, that's how math works. And, like, it's funny because I'm, you know, when I watch the trailer, I have to, like, I look at it and I'm like, wow, this is a really nice 4K version. But I'm like, all they did was stick it in, like, they just made it higher resolution. They didn't do anything. So I'm trying not to give them credit. Yeah. My only thought is maybe this is, like, they want the game to be more accessible because they are working on new stuff. I don't – I was never under the impression I, – I was always under the impression that they were done with Red Dead um, because 2 is a nice – I don't know. I feel like 2 and 1 together just work very well narratively, and I think a third one might be 
more of a spinoff kind of thing. Um, I don't know how you so, would make a third, you know? Right. Because it's like, what do we, what else can we do here? Um, so a part of me is kind of like, well, I think that, I, like I said, I think the possibility for a spinoff is there because there's a lot of characters in two that don't really exist in one, but they exist in two and they're very interesting and they have like, they have lives outside of Arthur Morgan's story. Um, like a Charles spinoff would be really cool or like a Sadie spinoff. Uh, but that is all to say that I am, I, that's just me being optimistic. I think the real reason is they just want to make money. Um, and they know that Red Dead is a very popular property and they know that they will be making money off of it. So, and we know from the I Grand will... Theft Auto trilogy how good they are putting uh, games onto new consoles. Right. Right. Um, and they have to, I mean, I would imagine they would release Grand Theft Auto 6 before the next Red Dead. So I'm not necessarily, like I said, that was just me being sort of optimistic. Well, stop. And trying to find the bright side in everything because I'm just a little cat. Um, you know? Yeah, I think you should stop being optimistic. Okay. If you want a little uh, less optimism in your pessimism in your life, right, 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 right. Uh, Devolver Digital <laughs> released a showcase on YouTube called Devolver Delayed Showcase. Uh, it didn't really show much; it was just to announce delays, um, which is kind of hysterical. <laughs> it's kind of like maybe we're being too tongue in cheek right now. Uh, it's like. It's funny, but also the biggest game delay in the showcase was for the Plucky Squire, which was uh, all of these were pushed to 2024. I'm extremely disappointed in the sense that Plucky Squire looks utterly incredible. And every time we see it, even if it's just like five seconds of new footage from this showcase, I get sad because I want to play it more and more. Um, but yeah, that's that's been delayed as well as Stick It to the Stick Man, Skate Story, Anger Foot. And Pepper Grinder, those were all delayed to 2024. Um, all those games look good to me. I really think that they they are uh, exciting games that I do want to play. But, you know, you got to delay sometimes. This is a fun, funny way to announce a delay instead of just doing like a press release every two weeks. Yeah, it's cheeky. It's cheeky, but I want to play Plucky Squire like now. Yeah. I'm sorry. This is a bummer. You should I be I know sorry. you're excited about it. All those showcases a couple weeks ago, they were just like, yeah, Plucky Squire, yeah, 2023, yeah, and we were all just eating it up like the little piggies that we are. <laughs> Nay. Nay, I say. Don't call 2024. me piggy. Eat up, piggy. Oh, okay. You're going to eat it up in 2024, piggy. Wow. it's kind of mean. Sorry. I'm not talking to you specifically. Sounds like you are. <laughs> Sorry. You know what else is on the horizon? I'll let you tell me. I, I thought you would say oh, okay. it immediately. That's why I paused. Oh, right. Sorry. Uh, 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 you know what else is on the horizon? I'll tell you What's what else on horizon, is on the horizon. What's on the horizon, Kelly? Um, remember last week or two weeks ago or last week? Whenever it was, last was week, yeah. time isn't real. We were. I was like, "Oh, uh, Call of Duty on release. Uh, they're not even going to release a game this year." And you were like, "You're very wrong." <laughs> uh, and I was, and I ate my words. Um, well, today, 
Monday, August 7th, um, uh, uh, they released a teaser for Modern Warfare 3 uh, coming this November, November 10th, in case you were curious. Um, it's it's not very, uh, it's, it's very much a teaser. You don't really see anything. You just hear stuff. Um, here's the best way they could tease this game, in my opinion, all right? They've got a very uh, rich audience on TikTok uh, that is very much tuned in to writing fanfic of the plethora big muscly masked men in Call of Duty. If they had these young fanfic writers consulting on their marketing stratagem, I think that this could be the biggest game release of twenty twenty of November tenth, twenty twenty. Of November tenth. <laughs> There's not even any other games releasing that day right now, so they've really got the the, the market cornered there. <laughs> I feel like, I, yeah, sure. I don't know how how to argue with that. Right. I so just you can't. I just eat chuckle. up your slot, piggy. I'm not. No, this is not me. This is uh, this is a different piggy audience. Um, I think it's funny because last week we talked a lot about Call of Duty because we were talking about Activision and the acquisition and stuff. Um, and friend of the show Cameron texted us like enraged because we were just saying incorrect things about Call of Duty like back to back. Um, because like Kelly was like, they don't make games every year. And then I had to be like, yeah, they do. And then she's like, what? And then I was like, yeah, Call of Duty, uh, Black Ops World War Two. And Kelly's like, sure, that sounds sure. Okay. Um, that was wrong. I'll eat my words. I was saying nonsense. It was Call of Duty Black Ops. What was it? Cold War. I, Cold War. I think. I'm not going to fact check. I don't know if it's... I think it's just Cold War. I don't know if it's Black Ops. No, I'm, I'm finding this one out. I can't not know. Because I think Black Ops was always like kind of the futuristic. Call one. of Duty Black Ops Cold War. Oh well, I guess I was wrong. Remember Advanced Warfare? It had a the man uh, who Kevin Spacey yeah, in it. A man, <laughs> a man in it. And Jon Snow. I thought that Jon was the Snow next was one. in it. No, isn't he in Infinite oh. Warfare? You think I know the difference? Wait, Infinite Warfare, Jon Snow. Yeah, there he is. He's in Infinite oh. Warfare. Oh. You know, I really only care about Modern Warfare 2 um, for the reasons mentioned earlier in this story. Uh, a Big, need for water? masked men with muscles and accents. And they just seem like they would know how to take care of me, like emotionally. Would you say you know how to pick men? <laughs> I sure do. <laughs> Sorry. I'm glad I could be of service. I sure would. Now, why are you bringing up picking men, Andrew? <laughs> because I picked a lot of men for the fourth time. <laughs> uh, right, right, right. 
I finished Pikmin 4 this past week. I won't talk a lot about it because I talked a bunch last week, but I didn't just uh, see it to the end. I actually 100%ed it, did everything you could. It took me 28 hours, which is crazy because Pikmin 3 only takes like less than half that time to finish as do the, the previous two. So uh, credit for that. There's just some crazy cool stuff, especially in the post game. It gets really interesting. Um, my only problem is like... Uh, the rewards kind of become less meaningful in the last couple hours because like once you've bought all the upgrades, it's like, Oh, I'm just getting money and I have literally nothing to spend it on. And that's the only reward for like side quests and exploring beyond what the treasures are. So that was a little disappointing, but uh, I adored this game. I really liked it. Highly recommend it. Like I said last week, check out the demo. If you haven't very good game, but that is by far not the by far least at all in the least the biggest game of this week was that a good sentence sure yeah kelly sure. you played something much bigger than i did is that true yeah i'm gonna turn off my mic go have fun oh. talk to you in 30 minutes <laughs> um so <laughs> Ooh. last week when we uh were talking i was so excited with this little game coming out called Baldur's Gate 3. Um, I had played Early Access, so I thought I knew what I was in for, but I didn't know. I had no idea what was about to unfold. So I bought the game. Well, I didn't buy it. I bought it a long time ago, actually. <laughs> uh, but it, anyway, so I got home from work on Thursday, and then I played it. Um, I have been looking forward to this game for a long time, it kind of snuck up on me in terms of like release. And I think that it was an interesting experience because I've never played an early access game before. So I kind of didn't, it wasn't that I wasn't hyped, but the hype was very manageable until like the last couple days. And then I was like, Oh my God, I'm ready right now. <laughs> um, so it came out last Thursday and I, um, for the sake of transparency, I will tell you all, I have 24 hours logged right now. Uh, it's Monday. So over the course of like four days, I've played quite a bit. Um, I am pretty much through with the early access content and have thus moved on to the new stuff. Um, so I don't want to talk about early access stuff too much because I, or I should say act one. The game is split into acts. I don't want to talk about Act 1 stuff too much because I did already talk about this game on the show back when I played it in Early Access for the first time, which I think was last year. Um, so I'll talk about some of the new stuff. I think that the game is very, very dense. Um, it will be impossible to say that I've fully and wholly experienced it because there are so many different things to experience. Mm -hmm. Um the customization of your character specifically, not physically, but, you know, um, their class and their race and the way they respond to the events in the world is very, very rich. Um, my very first playthrough, I played a druid tiefling, um, which is a D&D &D race. They're sort of like devil horns, pointy tails, um, <laughs> 
And there's actually a quest in Act 1 that is very relevant to druids and tieflings. So that was kind of fun. Um, But what I'm finding is that uh, the game itself feels really good to play. Um, It's sort of like addicting, I want to say. Like, I can't stop thinking about it. And I want to go play it right now. And I've wanted (laughs) to play it all day. And um, it's just... And it's challenging. It's a difficult game. It's not easy. And it's it was like that in Early Access too. But it really encourages you to think about, instead of just like, hit, bonk, hit, bonk, hit, bonk, the enemy's dead. It's like, you need to think a little bit harder about what you're going to do in certain situations. Are there situations where you can avoid combat altogether? Um, how are your companions going to respond to certain situations? The companions are so so fun in this game it's it's so interesting they the origin characters they're called are your first couple of companions and they're all very different and a lot of them are just mean they're like not nice or they're just like downright evil uh which i think is a very interesting choice for a game because most games like kind of give you the nice guys first um and there are some nice companions i love them all Honestly, I couldn't pick a favorite. Um, I feel like they did a really good job of making them very responsive to you and to each other. And by Act 2, I feel like there was a very strong sense of, like, uh, not not companionship. There's a very strong sense of, like, found family. Um, There's a character I really love. Her name's Carlac. She's a tiefling as well. Um, I love Asterion. He's a vampire. Oh, that was kind of a spoiler. It was an early access. Um, we can edit that out. Uh- <laughs> no, it's okay. I'm sure it's, there's a degree of, of spoiler expectation, so. He also, like, has fangs and is pale and is not visible in any mirrors, so. Like a, yeah. like a vampire? Like a vampire. Um, <laughs> there's a druid character who I really love. <laughs> His name's Halson. Um, he was really a challenge to get and to get into my party. Um, <laughs> but, like, we're having a good time now. Uh, and my character, the only thing I will say is that it's kind of hard to roll, run two characters of the same class in your party because it feels a little bit redundant. Mm-hmm. So my character, who is a druid, uh, I don't have him in the party with her that often because it's like, we don't really need true druids, two druids. And that spot is probably better served for like a wizard or a warlock or something. Um, I am finding that uh, even like when I get stuck on stuff, sometimes with other games, I'll be like, I, I got to get out of here. Like I, I need a break from this game. Um, but like when I play Baldur's Gate 3, I'm like, when I get stuck on stuff or, like, it's a particularly difficult battle, I'm like, let me just try again and be a little bit smarter this time. And so much of it is is based on your luck. So, you know, the rolls that you're you're rolling dice, basically, mm-hmm. for every choice you make in the game, including combat. So, you know, maybe you have a really good... Um, Maybe you have a really good roll your first try, but then you make one little mistake at the end and everything falls apart. Then next time you do it a little bit differently, and then the next time you do it a little bit differently. And even the order that you do quests can very much affect uh, the way that the world 
is changing around you. Um, I have not romanced anyone yet. Oh. I did have the opportunity, but I put it. I I said no because I was holding out for a hero, um, for a bear, man. I was gonna say a bear man. <laughs> um, but it it feels like it's hard to explain. But it just it feels very much like if you've ever played D anD D, it's very chaotic, all the time. There's never a D anD D campaign that's like perfect, exactly how you want it to go. Both like combat wise, character wise, narrative wise, it's never going to be perfect. There's always going to be chaos, and it feels very true to the D and D experience that things are just really wacky. Uh, you're in a very wacky situation with a very wacky group of people, um, and it's it's just about finding the right path forward through the circumstances that you have. Um, I love my character. Uh, she's gorgeous. I love the character creator. It's so fun to play in. Um, it's definitely expanded from early access. There's been a lot that's been expanded from early access in Act 1, which is nice for those of us who have played early access a bunch. Um, it's nice to see what's different, what's changed. And then obviously all the new content that we haven't seen yet in Acts 2 and 3. Um, did you find see. it at all repetitive since you've played so much of Act 1? Going back, did you find that the new class made all the difference or what? I did not find it repetitive. I I think what helped with me and probably what would benefit anybody who's played a lot of early access is taking a break from it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I hadn't played it in like months, basically. So it didn't feel super repetitive. And I think they... I know that they definitely changed enough that it was a different experience for me. Um, and even the companions are just a little bit different in Act 1. Like, And trying to see all the differences between everybody was very interesting. Like, mm-hmm. like some t- in early access, they would make a certain expression when they said something. In the, in the full game, they make a different expression, which almost completely changes the tone and meaning of what they said. Wow. So it's interesting. To see all the differences and to and to find how many I can catch. And certain things that I feel like I could do easily in the early access, I cannot do as easily in the full game. Um, I will say the, the pacing of some of the romances is really fast. Um, like at the towards the end of Act One, you're presented with an opportunity where you're having like a celebration of sorts. And if you have high enough approval with your companions, uh they in they will like throw themselves at you. Wow. Um, which was not the case in early access. You had to really work hard in early access to get them to like you. So they've definitely tweaked the approval system to be a little bit more forgiving on the player. You don't get as many disapproves as you did in early access, which is nice for those of us who are pathological people pleasers, even virtual <laughs> people pleasers. Yeah. Um but it's not really a complaint because yeah. it's very contextual and situational. And if you play it, you probably know what I'm talking about. Um, and it's just a different vibe. It's not like like in other games when you build a relationship with a character in other RPGs. Like I'm thinking about like Dragon Age and stuff. The be all end all is like we get together and we're happy and we're in love and that's it. And sometimes we bang. <laughs> sorry. Uh, sorry. Um this game is a little bit different. The relationships are very different in this game. They evolve and they change, and they're just different. Um, 
I had an experience that I really enjoyed. So I, my character is pretty good. She's not a bad girl. She's a nice girl. Um, and Asterian is a bad boy. He's not a nice boy. Um, but he likes mischief. And my character is pretty mischievous. Because she's a druid, so sometimes she likes to, like, turn into a cat and, like, talk to other cats. And, um, but anyway, so he kind of was disapproving of her for a good portion of Act 1. And they would get into, like, conversations and she'd kind of, like, tease him a little bit. It just feels very organic. And then in Act 2, because my approval had built up with him enough through all of my mischief, um, <laughs> he was like, you know what? You're a little bit naive, but I think we can really get something going here. I'm going to corrupt you and we're going to take all this power. And I and my character was like, okay, I like, I like to see you try, buddy. And it's like, it's just such an interesting dynamic because, you know, if I had just been cruel or evil from the jump, he probably would have been like, yeah, we're partners in crime, you know? But because my character is kind of a good girl, he, but there's still like that attachment there because we had built up the approval. It, it just feels like there's different dynamics for different situations. Like, the, there was another character in the camp who sort of, I don't want to say proposition, but it was it was definitely a proposition for my character. And she was like, nah. And he was like, okay, that's fine. We'll just have this slow, intimate moment. And it was like, if she had said yes, they would have just, you know, done the deed and been over with it. But I think the, the game really shines with the characters. And I think the game really shines because you can tell that the people who wrote it are very in tune with D&D. And they're very in tune with certain party dynamics and just how the game feels. Yeah. Um, I think it is so worth all the praise and hype that it's getting. The level of customization in, like, playing alone, not even in just, like, character or just the level of, of, of control that you have over the world, over your character, over the way your character responds to things. It's just really incredible. And I think that it is such a nice thing to see a game that has been such a gamble for this studio, that has been such a labor of love, and has also been so supported by the community. Mm-hmm. Um, this game would not be what it is without player feedback and all the different early access versions that have been going on since 2020. Um, it's really made the game what it is, and I think that it's very encouraging to see it do so well, and I would hope that other RPG makers, um, not pointing any fingers or looking in anyone's direction, but I would hope that other RPG makers learn some lessons about audience desires it's not just like, oh, I want cool items and and I want to be able to like defeat the boss in, in like two moves. Um, they want very rich story built worlds with characters that are very compelling and choice. Choice is really the most important thing, I think. So I'm hopeful that this is a good sign for the industry, the RPG video game industry. Yeah, I'm excited so I'm I'm probably going to play this later this year because I don't have PC. So I'll play it when it comes to uh, PlayStation 5, presuming that that version is good, which, I mean, just looking at this developer's uh, pedigree, 
it's probably going to be a good version. Um, this game pretty handily took the second spot for the highest rated game of the year, only second to uh, Tears of the Kingdom, which kind of like, well, yeah. Um, but still, you know, 94 average for scores is profound. Um, and it had 800,000 concurrent players this weekend, which... Mm-hmm. I was one of them. Kelly was one of the 800,000. Without me, they'd be 799,999. Yeah, those idiots. <laughs> but I'm really curious to, to hear the sales numbers, because if it's 800,000 at once, my brain says, all right, it's got to be at least three times that. Because, like, half the people who bought it are in a different time zone and they're asleep. You know? It's just right. I really want to see the sales numbers. Like, is it 3 million? Is it more? Who knows? And it's not even out on PlayStation 5 yet. I know. That's the thing. And, like, seeing all this reception has made their PlayStation 5 pre-sales, like, skyrocket. So yeah, the I would also be interested in seeing the numbers. I think this is also, not to get, like, off topic, but it's related. This will be the biggest digital-only launch of a game ever, probably. When it comes to PlayStation 5, I mean. Because, you know, there's tons of huge PC games that don't get physical releases. PS5, like, soon to be the highest rated game that's released on PS5 this year. And it doesn't have a physical copy. That's that's kind of crazy. And it also disappoints me because I was like, oh, I'll just grab it from the library. And then I remembered, I can't do that. If I want to play it, I got to pay $70. Yeah. Which I will say. I'm certain it's worth it. It's, but, yeah. You know, it's just the idea. This this game, okay, to put the positives aside, because this game is going to be huge for the video game industry in so many good ways, and hopefully push forward narrative narrative stuff and gameplay quality and you know gameplay quantity in a AAA release. But assuming this game does incredible on console, it's also going to push a lot of publishers to be like, oh, we don't need discs. So, um. Uh, that saddens me. But I'm very excited to play nonetheless because ultimately the most important thing for me is playing a game, not owning it physically as much as I like doing that. And I'm, you know, the reception has me so excited and I'm, I'm glad you're liking it. You know, that was the most important thing for me is that Kelly liked it. Yeah, I'm having a really good time. I just feel like I'm immersed in the world. I had a dream about it last night. That's how much I've been playing it. Oh my goodness. Do you feel like you are you hating this podcast right now because it's keeping you from playing? No, not at all. I'm enjoying talking about it. Mm. And other video game news. I have good news for you. Yes. We're wrapping up so you can go play more. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> uh I guess that that'll do that. That'll be that's just another put it in the put it in the wrap uh uh Let's go ahead and cap, wrap that up. Put a cap. Go ahead now, wrap put, it up. Put a cap on. Put a put a put a put a thermometer. Put a turn off the. Close the door. I we. I guess we're done. I don't. I don't. I'm sorry. I thought you were still gonna. I thought you were gonna keep going. So I wanted to give you the space. Um, but then I got scared. Of. Because you were silent. And I thought that I had done something wrong. The, the corruption had reached my brain and I couldn't speak <gasps> anymore. Corruption. 
the Shadowfell curse. Sorry. That's a little... Well, I won't even say anything. Thank you guys so much for listening to me talk to Baldur... Talk uh, to Andrew... <laughs> talk to Baldur. ...about Baldur's Gate 3 for like 30 minutes. I hope you have a really awesome week. I hope August is everything that you've ever wanted it to be. I hope that you're enjoying Baldur's Gate 3 as well. I almost told a dirty joke there, but I didn't. You could say it. No, I won't. I won't, I won't stoop to that level. Why? Because. Do it. It's too silly. Okay, thanks, everybody. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>